Good morning, everyone. And good morning to our friends on Zoom. Great to have you join us. Um, yeah, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Susan, and today I'm super excited to share with you about a turning point in my life. Um, so in this series, we have been looking into the lives of biblical characters um, that experienced God and, as a result, experienced a turning point in their life. Uh, last week, we looked at the story of Abram, Sarai, and Hagar in Genesis 16. Um, I remember Brinley asking us, who do you relate to in this story? And I remember thinking, well, I relate to all of them <laughs> because I realized um, all of them made a mistake and I've made those mistakes in the past. Um, so Sarai was more focused on her circumstances rather than God and the promise he made. And when things didn't look promising, she took matters into her own hands and gave her servant, Hagar, to Abram and said, perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram went along with that plan. And when things started going downhill, well, he refused to help solve the problem and told Sarai, your slave is in your hand. Do with her whatever you think best. Um, Hagar despised Sarah after she found out she was pregnant. She looked down on Sarai. So her pregnancy brought out a sense of pride and arrogance. And when she was mistreated by her mistress, Sarai, Hagar ran away from the problem. Despite the mistakes all these three characters made, and despite the messy situation they were in, God demonstrated his ability to work in all things for good, as he promised in Romans 8.28. Um, and I love the quote that Brinley used last week, uh, the quote by Louis Giglio. It does not matter whether you are in the plan or whether you have messed up the plan or whether other people have hijacked the plan. God will still speak to you. So today, I want to share with you how I messed up and sinned, how God spoke to me and brought me through a process of repentance and renewal of the mind, and how that led me to faith and obedience. So let's turn our Bibles to um, Romans 12, chapter 12, and I'm just going to focus on the first two verses today. So Romans 12 Verse 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I once heard a speaker talk about a side effect of being a living sacrifice. Do you guys have any idea of what that might be? You have to be burned. Ooh, ouch, that sounds 
terrible. <laughs> Any other ideas? Well, <laughs> the problem, you see, with a living sacrifice as opposed to a dead one is that it can crawl off the altar. <laughs> can you imagine? You put a lamb on the altar and then it crawls off on its own. Well, I realized that I was the living sacrifice that crawled off the altar again and again. Um, when I got baptized five years ago, I made a public declaration that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. My old self was crucified with Christ and then raised to life in him. However, what I didn't expect to happen right after I gave my life to Jesus is taking it right back. I was still making my own decisions, planning out my future, um, living according to my own ways, all that, you know? Um, and there were times when God convicted me and I repented, changing the way I think and the way I live. But when troubles arise and when worry, um, when worry and fear fill my mind, I would forget. I would forget to trust God again, and I would crawl off the altar. I try to solve the problem on my own first, and when it gets too overwhelming, I run to God for help. When I make mistakes, I would just try harder the next time to not make the same mistake. But when the guilt of somehow making the same mistake again becomes overwhelming, I fall on my knees, I call out to God, and he comes to my rescue. So despite all of this, God is so patient and he's so gracious with me. Months before uh, my mission trip to Israel, uh, for those of you who don't know, I was in Israel uh, during June, the month of June. Um, and before my trip, I was in this cycle that I just described. You know, I was working a full-time job, I took four online courses within university, and I was serving with Origin Church, and um, the first two courses I took were English literature courses. I knew my weakness in English literature because I came from an engineering background, so I constantly reminded myself to lean on God and to trust in his promise in 2 Corinthians 12.9 that says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Um, and then I started taking the other two courses, which were history courses. And by that time, um, I started meeting with my Israel team online uh, for training. And then we started reading these two books in preparation for the trip. And like all these things just started piling up and up. And my life got so busy. And instead of leaning on God even more and trusting him even more and asking for his provision, for him to renew my strength. I actually put God on the back burner. I stopped reading the Bible and spending time with God each day so that I can get a little bit more sleep. <laughs> I decided that physical strength at that time was more important to me than spiritual strength. And like Sarai, I decided to take matters into my own hands because I was determined to make things happen. 
Can you guess how that went? So four days before flying out to Israel, I wrote the final exam for the last course I had. I was like, woohoo, finally I did it. I can maybe, you know, start packing my bags now. But two days later, I received an email from my history professor with the subject line, final exam AI report. The moment I heard that, I mean, no, the moment I read that subject line, my heart sunk because I knew what the email was about before I even opened it. Basically, I was caught cheating on the exam. At that moment, so many thoughts came across my mind. Not only the excuses, justifications, minimizing, all that I used to resort to this sinful act in the first place, but also God's truth that I had suppressed and the guilt that I had numbed. All this came to the surface when God put a mirror in my face so I can no longer hide and deny what I did. I realized that when I chose not to follow God's way of living, when I willfully disobeyed God, my fellowship with God was broken. I felt so ashamed of myself and I felt unworthy to take part in God's mission. I wanted to escape from this terrible mess that I got myself into, just like Hagar. And that's exactly what I did. That day, I hung out with friends till super late at night so I wouldn't have to think or feel or do anything about this. But God saw me in my nakedness and God spoke to me in my escape. Susan, it would not be wise for you to go to Israel in this state. And I agreed with God. <laughs> How could I go serve God when I was not in a right relationship with God? But God reminded me that there were many people who decided to partner with me and support me in this mission trip. So I was held accountable to them. And most importantly, to him who called me to go on this mission trip in the first place. And so... As miserable as I felt, I sought the Lord so I could reconcile and restore my relationship with God. So through this failure, I got a better look at my heart and my sinful nature. I experienced the truth of what Jesus said in Mark 7, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So it wasn't the circumstances I was in that caused me to sin. It was what was in my own heart. Through this failure, I learned that offering my body as a living sacrifice means every single day laying aside my own desires to follow Jesus. So the word living here doesn't mean dead or alive, like you're either you know, dead or living, and it sure doesn't mean that you should crawl off the altar when things get too hard. 
when following Jesus get too hard. You lean on God even more. Um, so the word living here doesn't, um, so it, what it means is that it describes the outward life of a follower of Christ, which includes self-surrender and then surrender to God. So first the surrender of the inward, then the surrender of the outward life to God as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So through this failure, I also learned self-distrust and therefore closer clinging to God. When I looked to God in my failure and in my sin, he brought me through a process of repentance and renewal. When I came face to face with my sinful nature the day before going to Israel and the day I felt so unworthy to serve God, he reminded me of Romans 8.1 that says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I opened my Bible to Romans 8 and I started reading through the chapter. So very briefly, I would like to read through the first part of the chapter with you um, to share with you how God convicted me through his word, how he brought me to repentance, and transformed me by the renewing of my mind. So if you would please turn to me, turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Therefore, there is now no, condemn no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. So he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Reading this, I was immediately filled with hope. Not only did Jesus give himself as a sacrifice, paying the penalty of all sins, but he also gave us the Holy Spirit. The spirit of truth that sets us free from sin and empowers us to obey God's will. And Romans 8 goes on to say, Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires, but those who live according to the spirit, in accordance with the spirit, have their mind set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is peace, life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. When I read this, the spirit convicted me, and I knew exactly where I went wrong. My mind was set on what my flesh desired. I was set on the goal of finishing the courses so I can fulfill the requirements and hopefully get into the program that I want at UBC. And I was so focused on my circumstances rather than trusting God 
and depending on him. I experienced the truth of God's word. My mind, governed by the flesh, was hostile to God. It did not submit to his law, nor can it do so. There was simply no way I could please God when I was in the realm of flesh instead of the realm of the spirit. So as I continued reading God's word, the spirit of truth led me to repent for having lived according to my flesh. You, however, are not in the realm of flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. It is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you, if, but if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So the word of the Lord held a mirror up to my feet face, uh, to my mind, to my heart, um, even though I have been trying to follow the Lord, I realized that I had to change even more drastically. And that change needed to first happen in my mind. I needed to first be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Because a renewed mind is the mind acting under the influence of the spirit instead of the flesh. Let me say that again. A renewed mind is the mind un acting under the influence of the spirit instead of the flesh. So Romans 8 goes on to, uh, into this wonderful promise. It says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So a renewed mind is the mind acting under the influence of the Spirit, and a renewed mind knows who we are in Christ Jesus. So reading the first part of Romans 8 changed the way I thought about myself, about God, and about the way of living. When I turned and made a shift um, from living according to my flesh to living according to God's Spirit, the Spirit put to death the misdeeds of my body. Uh, verse 13, the Spirit testifies with my spirit that I am a child of God. Verse 16, and the Spirit helped me in my weakness and intercedes for me in accordance with the will of God when I don't know what to pray for. Verses 26 to 27. And 
so with that, I repented for having lived according to my flesh, and I started packing my bags to Israel. When I turned to God's word, the spirit of truth renewed, re-educated, and redirected my mind so that I can be transformed. So not only should we surrender ourselves every single day as a living sacrifice to God, but we should also be transformed by the renewing of the mind every single day. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that's a promise right there in verse 2 of Romans 12. So I experienced the truth of that promise during my six weeks in Israel, after God brought me through a season of failure and sin, and then repentance and renewal. So what do I mean by that? Well, last year in May, I decided to start pursuing my passion for teaching, and I had planned to quit my job this September so that I can go back to school. Um, that's why I was taking those courses. But a month before going to Israel, um, I was invited to join staff with Origin. And the moment I heard that, I had a feeling that this was God's plan for me. Um, and as much as that idea excited me, I was not ready to give up my own plan for my life. Um, and as much as that idea excited me, it also scared me because it would mean changing everything that I used to think about life and about um, the world. You know, it felt like my world was shaken because growing up, I had this idea instilled in my head. Maybe some of you could relate. <laughs> I thought I had to first study hard in school so I can get into a good university, so I can come out with a degree in either medicine, engineering, or law, so I can get a high-paying job, so I can buy a car, a house, and support my family. The end. Story of my life. <laughs> so that was going to be the story of my life. Um, and although some of that has been challenged over the past five years of being a Christian, I was not ready to give everything up and take a leap of faith to obey God when he called me. I needed to go through yet another process of surrendering myself and my own desires, my values and ideologies, um, whatever I needed to surrender. I needed to go through yet another process of being transformed by the renewing of my mind. So while I was in Israel, as I was reading through the book of Matthew and the many lessons that Jesus taught about money, about worry, about the cost of following him, and about persecution, among many other things. The word of God renewed my mind and changed the way I think. Before, I thought my whole goal in life is to settle down in a good career and a happy family. That was going to be the whole story of my life, and I was doing everything I could to find that life. But now, I know that whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for Jesus' sake will find it. 
Yes, amen to that. Before, I was trying to plan my own future and keep everything under my control. Now, I know that Jesus calls me to come and follow him, and that whoever does not take up their cross and follow him is not worthy of him. That's a hard truth there, hey? Before, I was seeking an easy and comfortable life. Now, I know that there is a great cost to following Jesus. You know, I should not expect an easy or comfortable life. I need to lay aside whatever concern I have in order to follow him, whether that's financial security or family approval. Before, I thought I could balance money and God. I somehow thought I could do that. Now, I know that I cannot serve God and money, period. Either I will hate one and love the other, or I will be devoted to one and despise the other. Before I thought I could, before I thought honoring my parents meant that I have to do everything they say. Now I know that Jesus came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So Jesus' presence demands a decision. God or family? God or money? God or security? God or myself? So in, during the time I was in Israel, God changed a lot about the way I thought. Um, so I felt like my whole life was shaken. You know, everything I used to believe in, now it has changed. So it felt like I was in this earthquake. But in that, God reminded me to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And do not worry. You know, he, he said that three times in Matthew. So I definitely learned that lesson there. <laughs> do not worry. So while the lessons of Jesus put me in a very uncomfortable and scary spot, the promises of God reassured me and gave me the faith to obey. So being transformed by the renewing of my mind, I was first able to test what God's will is. In other words, I was able to perceive with confidence what the will of God actually is. And then with a renewed mind, so the mind acting under the influence of the Spirit, I was able to approve of God's will. Approve meaning to agree to and accept God's will. So this second step here requires a lot of faith and obedience to actually choose God's will, surrendering your own. So choosing God's will and acting upon it. And so that's the story of how I entered into a turning point in my life. Now I want to ask you, what is the story that God is writing in your life? How has God brought you, or how is God bringing you from failure and sin 
to faith and obedience. How is God bringing you from trusting in yourself to trusting in him? And how is God bringing you from disobedience to obedience? So this transformation does not happen overnight. It takes time and it takes intentionality. So whether you're in the stage of failure and sin or the stage of repentance and renewal or the stage of faith and obedience or sometimes you feel like you're in all three stages, you know, in in life we're all over the place. Um, No matter where you are, I encourage you to surrender yourself each day to seek God and meditate on his word and to remain in his presence and ponder on each truth that he reveals to you about himself, about you, and about the way of living. So do so until that becomes real and personal in your life because Our God is a personal God, and he speaks to every one of us. Um, Now I want to invite the worship team to come up, and I want to invite you into a time of reflection. So last week we learned that our God is a God who sees. He is all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere present with us. God saw Hagar when she ran away from the mess she was in. God saw me in my mess. And God sees you wherever you are in life right now. God is with you. So let's enter into a time of prayer and seeking the Lord. Let's join David in Psalm 139 as he says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. has brought to mind a sin in your life, I would encourage you to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed as God promised in James 5.16. We have the prayer team in the back, um, Michaela and Kyle. if If you feel prompted to do that right now, I would encourage you to Pray with someone, and if you need a bit more time, I would encourage you to share with your life group this week.
Let's pray. Abba Father, thank you. Thank you for adopting us as children of God. Thank you for setting us free from the law of sin and death through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the body of Christ, the origin community, and our brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm so grateful that we have a community here that can celebrate wins together and also celebrate failures together. Because you speak to us through these failures. You don't waste any of our experiences. And you can work all things for the good of those who love you. And so we put our trust in you. As we read, study, memorize, and meditate on your word this week, teach us, teach us how to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to you. Show us and rebuke the ways we have conformed to the pattern of this world. Correct us and let us be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And train us in righteousness so that we may be thoroughly equipped for the humble service in the body of Christ. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.